pastor here at Emmaus Road Church. And so uh, if you are visiting with us again, we are so glad that you are here. And I pray that you would just be blown away by God's grace for you in the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what we like to talk about around here. We don't like to talk about us and necessarily what we have to do, but what God has done for us in Jesus' finished work. And I pray that you would see that and believe that and trust in that all the more clearly here this morning. Hey, I really, really love this time of the year. Anybody with me? You like this time of the year? Man, I love the sights and the sounds and the colors and the smells and the songs and the tastes that are really unique to December. But listen up, gang. You and your family are under attack this time of the year. And so am I. You probably don't notice it much. You probably don't pay much attention to it. But all you have to do is really just listen, and you'll hear it. And the reason it's so dangerous is because it's so subtle. I mean, just look at the calendar. This is the second Sunday of Advent. It should be a glorious time of remembering God's faithful promise and response to his sinful and rebellious image bearers. And remember, that response wasn't to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus. But instead, it's, instead of it being really a peaceful season of worship and celebration of our coming Savior, Christmas has kind of devolved into a spiritual battle. Now, if you know if you've ever thought about this or not, but the Christmas story, which our culture celebrates, really puts us at the center instead of Jesus. Do you know what I mean by that? It looks to stuff down here for all kinds of fulfillment. In every way, the story that you will hear over and over and over again in the surrounding culture during this season is dangerously wrong when it comes to who we are and what we need. Why? Because it encourages us in thousands of different ways to place our hope in things that never, ever deliver. And there it is. And man, sorry, don't get me wrong. I love, I love the parties. I love the beautiful decorations. I love the gift giving. I love all that stuff just as much as you do, probably even more. But I'm concerned that in the midst of all that, we're actually listening to a false Christmas narrative instead of the real true Christmas story, a story that defines our beliefs about who we are and about what we ultimately and desperately need. And that's why we're doing this series. That's why we're doing this series of, of what Christmas is all about, especially uh, from a little help from the Peanuts gang and especially Charlie Brown. Now, Pastor Brandon last week uh, shared with us that Christmas is not really all about giving gifts, at least not the ones that are wrapped up with nice colored paper and bows and tags, but instead it's all about the one and only gift that, was came, that came and, and was wrapped in human flesh, the one and only gift that, that does way more than just make us happy. It's a gift that actually fulfills it's the free gift of salvation that comes through Jesus' substitutionary life, death, and resurrection for us. And this week, gang, we're going to see that Christmas is all about true and lasting hope. That Christmas is all about true and lasting hope. 
So let me read this morning's text to you. In the bulletin, uh, it says Isaiah 59. That's what it was uh, like a couple days ago. I've since changed it. It's actually just one verse. Way different, right, from going from one chapter to one verse. That's a big difference. We're going to be here a lot less time. Um, But Romans chapter 15, starting just at verse 4, and this is what it says. In fact, can we read this all together? Can we do that? That would be really good. It says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, come and teach us your word. Come, O fount of every blessing. Tune our hearts and our minds to seek and to savor your amazing grace. And we will give you praise. And all God's people said, amen. Now, Romans 15.4, I know it's not your typical Christmas text, but hopefully by the end of the message here this morning, you'll see that it actually is. Emmaus wrote, did you know that every decision you make, every response you have to the situations and relationships of your life is fueled by and is motivated by hope? The story of your life is a hope story. Think about that. You don't live by instinct. You are hardwired for hope. Your happiest moments are hope moments. Your saddest moments are about hope dashed, hope left unfulfilled. You're always attaching the hope of your heart to something. Now, here's what hope is. You ready for it? Here's what hope is. Hope always includes an object and an expectation. Hope always includes an object and an expectation. You are always placing your hope in something and hoping for that something, whatever it is, to come through and to deliver for you something. That's what hope is. It always includes an object and an expectation. For instance, if you're a Bears fan, You're hoping, you're hoping to one day have a quarterback that's going to bring you back to Super Bowl glory. And we were having this conversation at lunch earlier this week. Nice conversation at Mezcal, so I had to go there. Um, that's, that says it all. If you're going on a first date, you are hoping, you are hoping that he can make you laugh and that he can hold a good conversation. You're hoping that he will just exude confidence without arrogance, that he'll pay for for what you're actually going to do, that he'll be chivalrous, whatever. Um, maybe, Maybe you're sick, and a diagnosis has been hard to come by, and you're hoping the next time you go to the doctor, you'll kind of get some answers, something to kind of hold on to. You see, hope always includes an object and an expectation. And the Bible teaches us clearly that we tend to look for hope in all of the wrong places. And our relentless searching for hope, it it often leaves us disappointed, it often leaves us frustrated and confused. Why? Because we want things to give us true and lasting hope that can't ever deliver. 
take a look at this short clip that we've got here this morning, because I think Charles Schultz, the creator of the Peanuts cartoon, he perfectly, perfectly captures this unfulfilled longing in the human heart because of misplaced hope. Listen and watch carefully, especially this scene and his interaction around the mailbox. Take a look. Good stuff, right? But it's so accurate. Did, did, you, did you see where he was looking for hope? Did you catch it? He, he longs to hear that somebody cares for him. He actually, to the point of, of actually personifying an empty, cold, hard, metal mailbox. What does he shout in there? Hello in there. He wants somebody to notice him. He longs for meaningful interaction. And what does he say? Rats. That's hope dashed. Rats. Nobody sent me a Christmas card today. I almost wish there wasn't a holiday season. You see, Charlie Brown is hardwired for hope, just like you and just like me. And if you caught his look before he opened the mailbox, before he opened it, it seems, at least it is to me, that he wasn't, he wasn't expecting anything in there. He was actually expecting it to be empty. Like, this isn't the first time that this has happened. And then it's happened a couple other times before that, and he's almost embarrassed for it to happen again. And maybe I'm reading too much into that, but he for sure doesn't want anybody around him to witness it just in case it is actually empty. Charlie Brown is just looking for love in the form of Christmas cards. But the problem with human love that Charlie Brown is experiencing in this scene is that it's broken. You know what I'm talking about? Think about this. Human love, gang, it's, it's horizontal. And horizontal love, love given between two different people, was never designed to give the human heart the peace and the satisfaction and the rest that it craves. Charles Schultz illustrates this so beautifully. All he hears after he yells out, hello in there, is his own echo reverbing through this cold, hard metal box. And in his despair, he says, I know nobody likes me. I know it. Why do we have to have a holiday to emphasize it? And so Charlie Brown's hope has been dashed. His longing for human intimacy down here in the created world, even in this small, tangible way, has gone left unfulfilled. There's no Christmas cards to be found, even from poor little Violet, who feels the sting of Charlie Brown's broken heart. His desire to be noticed and loved is left unfulfilled, and this empty mailbox has triggered a deep sense of loss. Emmaus Road, can you relate? Can you? Have you lost hope because you've placed your hope 
in something down here where true and lasting hope can't be found. Is that anybody in this room? Yeah, sure it is. It absolutely is. And it's not only you, there's plenty of people that you know who are in a season right now of despair and of hopelessness because that thing, whatever it is, hasn't come through for you or for them the way that you've hoped it would. Some of you in this room right now, some of you in this room right now might be in a hopeless marriage. He cheated or she cheated. You were so serious. You were so serious when you took those vows till death do you part, but you don't think that you're going to make it now. And you've tried to do your part, but you're just so tired. You've gone to counseling. You've read books. You've started dating again. You've done whatever it could take, but, but you're just over it. You no longer want to do the hard work it takes to fulfill your covenant vows. And and maybe you're witnessing your mom or your dad go through this nasty breakup. And you're like, God, all I want is my parents. All I want is my parents to act like adults. Please. But sometimes I have to be the go-between. And it's not fair to me. So the chance of a healthy and a mature relationship moving forward, it just seems hopeless. Some of you in this room are looking at your checking account and your your savings account and you're you're balancing that against the bills that you owe and your finances. They just seem hopeless. I don't mean you can't go on the vacations that you want to go on or that you used to go on. I'm talking about, man, like you're you're having a hard time paying the rent and you you have a hard time keeping the water on or uh, the the heat on and and you're like, man, I don't want to eat ramen noodles forever. God, you just got to have this deal come through. Please, God, please. Some of you have been hunting for a job for months, and you're almost bankrupt. You're hopeless, and you're angry, and you're confused, and you're frustrated. You're like, how can my slacker, good-for-nothing sister-in-law get a promotion, and I can't even get a call back? What's the deal? Some of you, some of you have been trying to have children for a long time, possibly. And you've seen a ton of doctors and spent tons of money. And you're at the point of hopelessness. And you're just begging God and begging God and begging God. Come on, God, please, all my cousin has to do, all my cousin has to do is look at his wife and she's pregnant again. (laughs) God, I watch TV. I watch TV and I got to ask, why are some of the worst people in the world the most fertile? What DNA are they passing on? All I want to do is have a kid of my own and raise him or her to your glory. Come on, God. Some of you are just lonely. And your loneliness has turned into just despair. Your singleness is just just ruining you. God, I just want to enjoy this life with somebody. Please, God. I'm sick and tired of being alone. I just want companionship. Some of you are in a room right now with like 120 people, and and you just feel completely alone. 120, 130, whatever we are. And you're just like, I, I feel all alone, but there's plenty of people around you. Maybe some of you talked with the doctor recently and the diagnosis was something you never thought you'd have to deal with. They said words like, it's spread and it's no longer treatable. Some of you are battling addictions of all kinds and you've gone to all sorts of meetings, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, and sure, they're helpful at times, but man, it, it's not turning out like others in your group. And to make matters worse, you had some dumb Christian come up to you and said, if you, have you tried Jesus before? Like, if you really like, love Jesus, if you really hold fast to him, then you'll never want this stuff anymore in your life. Just give Jesus a try. And you're like, what? 
I thought I loved Jesus, but, I, but I'm still addicted to this stuff. What does that mean? Does that mean I don't love Jesus? Does he not love me? What's going on there? And it just compounds it all together, doesn't it? And then there's some of you in this room, and you've got to this place. You've got to this place where you thought the best option might possibly to be to end your life. You've honestly considered suicide. Look, if that's you here this morning, or if that's someone you know, or someone that's hearing this online, whatever, I don't know how to preach this to you other than just to say, please don't. Please don't. Please don't give up on a God that would never, ever, ever give up on you. There is plenty of people in this room right here, right now, that would walk with you through this if you just would let us. And that's just skimming the surface, right? We could go on and on and on of all the situations in this broken life that just leave us empty inside, right? It doesn't begin to cover it all. But again, if we're honest, we misplace our hope down here in all different kinds of ways, and that just leaves us just leaves us empty and makes life hopeless at times. And Mace Road, let me ask you today, what wells are you drinking from that are not quenching your thirst? What are you looking for in this life that just can't ever seem to deliver? Where do you place your hope? Charlie Brown misplaced his hope in a simple thing like Christmas cards and and those people who would send them to find value and meaning and love, and it left him wanting. They didn't come through for him, and his hopes were dashed. Can you relate? Where do you place your hope? But you know, in some ways, Charlie Brown was in a good place. He was. Charlie Brown was in a good place, spiritually speaking. Because the Bible teaches us that in those dark moments when your hopes are dashed, true and lasting hope can actually be found. Amen? Because here's the deal, gang. The path to hope is hopelessness. The path to hope is hopelessness. It sounds contradictory, doesn't it? But it's true. How many times have you thought, if I only had, you fill in the blank. If I only lived, you fill in the blank. If that person would only, you fill in the blank. That's finding your hope horizontally. Or you can think of it this way. What are those things in your life that if they were taken away right now would leave you in despair, confused, frustrated, empty, and hopeless? Whatever those things are, make up your functional hope. And before you can find true life-giving hope, lasting hope, you have to give up on all those things where you've placed your hope before. Uh, Proverbs 13, 12, it's up there on the screen. I love this. It says this, hope deferred, it actually makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. When you lose hope, I'm telling you, it's a heart matter. It's a heart matter. It cuts you deep inside, but that's right where you need to be to allow the gospel to do its reviving and restoring and redeeming work. Let me give you just a brief, quick time of a story in, in, in my life 
that, that's, that's been the darkest time in my life to date. Uh, it's actually when I was at seminary, believe it or not, about 12 years ago. I had to think on that one. And, and, and here I was preparing to become a pastor. And I was about to kind of finish up my time at seminary, and, and no churches were calling. It's, it's kind of an interesting way that we do that within the Church of Lutheran Brethren. We don't have a hierarchy that places you, like, you have to wait for a church like this one, like you did, where you extended a call to me. You have to kind of wait for that. You don't really, it's kind of weird to kind of, like, preempt that and put yourself out there. And so no churches were calling. Here I was. I'd given up everything that I was doing before that and, and, and moving to Fergus Falls, Minnesota and, and going three years to school and doing all this kind of stuff, prepared to be a pastor. No churches were calling. And, man, I was feeling it. It was hard. And, and I really also wanted to be married. I didn't want to go into ministry as a, as a single guy because I knew that the hardships and the, the, the stress that, that ministry is, and I saw the wonderful relationship that my parents had and that my brothers had with their wives and who were all pastors, and, and it was kind of this thing that I just had this, this, this desire to have a, a, a job in a church and to be married, and it, it wasn't coming. And as the time for my graduation kind of kept getting closer and closer and closer, I just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper down into this place that I never thought I would ever be. And I'm not ashamed to say this, but I sought counseling from a number of different professionals. And believe it or not, it, it wasn't until I actually sought counseling, pff, crazy, believe this, from a secular counselor, a person who didn't believe anything that the Bible was true, and, and, and she actually came and said, don't you believe this Bible? <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> Thanks. And she's like, well, like, I've read this, and, and before, like, when God created everything in Genesis, that's what it's called, right? It's like, yeah, it's Genesis. Like, he created Adam to have a relationship with him, right? Yeah. And it was perfect. Good, right? Yeah. Then he created Eve. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Adam was actually doing work before, like, Eve came around. and Yeah, yeah. And so, through this secular counselor, it was amazing to actually hear them actually, too. she actually taught me that, that, that our work that our work doesn't define who we are, what we do doesn't define who we are, that our relationships don't define who we are, that our relationship with God is the one that actually defines it. And it was for her coming back and actually pointing the scriptures to me that actually brought me out of this deep, dark depression that I was in. You see, I was placing my hope in something that couldn't give me hope. It was hope deferred. My heart was sick. Proverbs 13, 12 again says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so here's the good news this morning, gang. In order for hope to be true and lasting, hope needs to be able to fix what is sick and what is broken inside of us. True and lasting hope must be able to address the biggest and the deepest and the darkest dilemma of our lives. And if we're honest, if we're honest, just like Charlie Brown, we think that our biggest dilemma, that our biggest problem in this life exists outside of us, not inside of us. 
We want to say that our problems are situational and locational and relational, but they're not. Our biggest problem isn't horizontal in nature in any way. Our biggest problem is deeply personal and it's vertical. And you'll never find true and lasting hope if you don't first listen to and believe in and confess that your biggest problem is you. Not your only problem, but your biggest problem. You see, the Bible teaches that there is something that lurks inside of me that is dark and is dangerous, and it's inside of you too. The Bible, it actually calls it sin. And sin kidnaps our thoughts and diverts our desires, and only Jesus, the scripture teaches, can fix this problem within each and every one of us. Emmaus Road, listen up. No horizontal hope can fix a vertical problem. No horizontal hope can fix a vertical problem. So God had to send Jesus, his one and only son, to solve this spiritual dilemma. God the Father sent Jesus to be our true and lasting hope, just like we sing about in that wonderful Christmas hymn, right? A little town of Bethlehem, which says, the hopes of all the years are met in thee tonight. Because if hope can't fix what's broken, what's the point in hoping in it? Think about that. So yeah, Charlie Brown, we do need a holiday to emphasize something. We do. But it's not to emphasize that we're not liked. It actually turns out that we need Christmas in order to emphasize the glorious truth that we are unconditionally loved. Amen? And sure, our mailboxes might be empty this Christmas season too. They might. We might not get all the cards and the letters that we long for. Our desire to be noticed, our desire to be loved might go unfulfilled and it might leave us feeling hopeless. But gang, listen up. Our empty mailboxes should not be the end of the world because we have the best collection of Christmas cards. We have the best collection of Christmas letters in our possession today. It's found there right in the pews right there in front of you, the seats right there in front of you, in your laps. It's called the Bible. And, and they're all right there. And that's why I love Romans 15.4. Let me read it again to you. For everything... That was written in the past, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. The Bible, gang, is the ultimate Christmas card. It is the ultimate Christmas letter. You see, the Bible... The Bible tells us that the people of the Old Testament, they were living in this uncertainty between the already and the not yet. They were living in this time period between the already and the not yet. Already they had been redeemed from Egypt. Already the law had been given. Already the prophets had spoken. Already the glory of God had lived in the center of the people of Israel. But the promised Messiah had not yet come. And so they held on to hope. And we hold on to hope too, don't we? Already Jesus has come the first time. Already he has lived, he has died, he has rose again on our behalf. Already has the word been given. Already have the sacraments been given. Already has the spirit been given. But not yet has sin been completely defeated and eradicated. 
Not yet are we in that final kingdom of the new heavens and the new earth. And in the uncertainty of life between the already and the not yet, you will reach out for hope somewhere. Where are you reaching for hope? And I pray it's the scriptures. And I pray it's the one who the scriptures testify about, whose name is Jesus. Because gang, he cares for you. He knows you. He notices you. And most importantly, he knows all of your sin and still loves you. And he came to you when you couldn't go to him. The Apostle Paul speaks of this true and lasting hope in Romans 5.5 when he writes, Hope in God will never, ever put us to shame. It never will. In other words, when all our horizontal hopes, they fail, our vertical hope will always, always deliver. Because only in God, gang, is your hope sure and secure. Only in him. Only in him will you find the peace, the internal peace that is the hunger and the thirst of every human soul. Jesus, Jesus is our true and lasting hope. That's what Christmas is all about. You think on that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that when we're not holding on to you, you're holding on to us. And that changes everything. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy perfectly expressed in Jesus Christ. And so no matter what story we hear this year from the surrounding culture, no matter where we place our hope in all the places that that never deliver, may you draw us ever closer to the hope that we find in Jesus. Because he came once and we believe he will come again. We all pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen.